You are now in the Reality Capture Network. Welcome to the Reality Capture Network. Today we're excited to get in and talk about new technologies with the great Kirk McKenzie. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Matthew. So Kirk has uh, got quite the impressive background, 31-year um, fire service veteran, uh, now working on his own, right? That, that's right. Since, since March, I had a, a, a awesome career as a first responder out there front lines, and uh, now I've started an LLC and working on a, a number of 3D-related reality capture items. Well, that's great, and uh, thank you for all your years of service. We always appreciate all of our first responders. No, thank you. It, it was uh, a privilege, and the interest now is to to figure out how 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 do we save lives in 3D? And, and yeah. How do I support from the outside those who are still doing it uh, to serve those they've never met, but in an instant, that's some awesome. 3D data might save a life. Yeah, well, and I'm excited to have this conversation because, you know, a lot of people in our network, we're, we're focused on, you know, active construction or, um, you know, industrial engineering and things like that. And the forensic space or the uh, first responder space, there's a big need there. But it, I think it, for the overall community, there's not quite as many people focus specifically on that. And it's a really unique but important uh, industry and focus. So, Excited to hear about it, and I think it'd be great to start um, maybe the short story, a little bit about your background, um, so we could give you a few minutes here to talk about how, how did you get into the focus that you have in, in your industry. Well, thank you, and, and I think it started carrying, I started uh, by carrying car batteries, and I'll, I'll give that a little premise. As a, I have a friend that did forensic animation, and I said, uh, so you make cartoons, and no, no, no. There, uh, well, what makes it forensic? Well, person, place, time, and event in 3D. And uh, he told me what a laser scanner was. And I thought, uh, wow, we need that in the fire industry. And, wh and what about what year or how long ago was that? Uh, I think we're about 12 years ago. Okay. And uh, so we chatted for a while about it. And then there uh, it turned out there was a fatal explosion in the community. And I was asked to come out and support the team doing the laser scanning. And then I, I worked carrying car batteries to keep the 5,000 measurement a second scanners running <laughs> uh, out on on some remote locations and uh, ended up uh, going to a, a fire death investigation class, uh, 3D scanning, uh, 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 gritty work of forensic uh, anthropologist in 3D and having a friend uh, convert the point cloud data into a 3D printable model. So how, how do we take perishable human remains evidence uh, to the magistrate, to the courtroom, in front of a juror? And so uh, so I worked on that for a, a number of years before uh, I, I started to focus on, while a documentation investigation is critical for public safety, law enforcement, fire, and the like, uh, could we save a life in advance rather than investigate the death? Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it because most of these technologies are seen as the capture what's already there. So documenting the scene is kind of the default or easy thing to do. So what, you know, what was your initial thought there when you're thinking how can we use it to proactive or save? Like what would that step look like or 
I think I, I had the chance to speak at Spar 3D with the team and, and, uh, it, uh, I was out in front and, uh, and saw a, a 3D mapping vehicle, well, several 3D mapping vehicles, right? This is in Colorado Springs, I think. Yeah. And the, uh, and I, and it just came to me, uh, over, a, a, with a fellow colleague, well, late one night we were talking about the value of three, and certainly in construction, you know, documenting mm-hmm. as a building goes up, you know, near real time construction. And I said, gosh, what, what if we could capture remote sense and put it in front of a, a firefighter's field of view in the dark? Mm-hmm. What if we had, I didn't know what it was called, computer vision. And, uh, so that was six years ago. And that, that, that's when I first thought, huh, there's this thing called augmented reality. I know fighter pilots use it. And then I started to think more and more about how, how do we move the ball into real time? Yeah. So what, um, is that something that you actually then started to pursue? Uh, you said that was about six years ago or so. You were kind of having those thoughts. What did what did your next steps look like? Uh, well, there was a lot of internet searching, mm-hmm. and in and, and 2014, when you searched uh, 3D fire or 3D fire explosion or 3D for life safety or 3D fire rescue or anything like that, there were a half a dozen papers that came up about people doing crazy work. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a fair amount of it in Europe. Uh, some uh, some scientists that I'm grateful for who really set, helped set the stage uh, that oh I'm not the only the only one thinking about this not only am I not the only one thinking about this people working with it mm-hmm. and then uh, capturing some uh, uh, some burns done for fire investigation training so say you you uh, put together a simulated uh, children's bedroom and and, 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 uh, the fire investigation trainers light the fire, let it burn till uh, it's well involved and then put it out and then bring the students in and have a look. Okay. Where did the fire start? What was the cause? Uh, no, was it accidental? Was it intentional? And documenting that in, in with a scanner. And while there was still some smoke and realizing, oh, well, visible light is disrupted by the smoke. Mm-hmm. The particulates in the air, and so that was a hard stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, it's quite—I mean, we could do a whole a whole discussion just yeah. on that. I'm moving into infrared remote sensing and how that's needed. And there's a few teams that are are doing good work in that uh, now. But that that was one of the that was one of the first failures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in the concept, but gratefully, there's other teams working on, on yeah. the IR solution, just like in self-driving cars. Yep. There's LIDAR that's not visible light. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, we don't have to get in depth with it, but you know, the, the technology obviously is continuing to expand pretty rapidly. Uh, we just did a webinar on the iPhone now having LIDAR right on it. Solid you know, state. It's continuing to just expand down to devices that you already have in your pocket that are small, that are lightweight. So I think even in applications like your, focusing on even the hardware is just continuing to improve to make some of those things easier to do um, and just more realistic and and affordable even to continue pursuing. Um, 
So before you ask the next, I'd I'd like to take a moment and I, and so I'll, I'm doing my best to keep the, the dialogue neutral and, um, because it's, it's really, the goal is to plug the need. uh, Yeah. And, and the ability to save some, there's 7,000 people are lost in America every day before Mm. COVID. A hundred minute around the world by fire alone in the U.S. more than three thousand a year, up twenty percent mm. in the last decade, and and fire only if only there's a one and a quarter million fires a year. There's two hundred and forty million calls for service on mm. regular basis. Uh, w- w- there's a pressure point there that we can make a difference with with reality capture ethics. Um, when, when we're talking about phones, w- what if in advance or during a, uh, uh, an emergency, if people used their new devices, uh, whether it's structured light sensing, solid state LIDAR, whatever they had to offer a 3D representation of their space. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but And so what, one of the teams I'll mention is the federal team under the Department of Commerce is the National Institute of Standards and Technologies Public Safety Communication Research Group. They're doing amazing stuff there and talking about uh, we used to know where 911 callers were because we had their billing address, so we knew where the home was when there were landlines. Mm-hmm. Now with cells, it's a, it's harder. What 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 if uh, there was a way to get more than just a text message to the dispatch center? What if you could show your environment in, mm-hmm. in 3D? And then mm-hmm. we'll keep going, but there's a lot lot to cover. We're con- yeah to consider. Yeah, and I think uh I think that's definitely the way the technology is moving is making that more realistic. You know, prior to things like having it on a phone, you know, it is time consuming and the data's big and you have to, you know, process it after the fact and as things are becoming more um real time, you know, and the that potential is there, I think those types of applications are um not quite as far away as they used to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even if it's in advance with someone's personal phone, yeah. what do they share? Where do they share it? Where's the repository? How do you encrypt it? How do you secure it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if if someone doesn't want to share their information, by all means, yeah, you know, don't, don't share it. But for those who do, when we look at tragic loss fires, especially large loss fires where we have dozens of people lost in, in commercial fires who mm-hmm. now are texting their family to say goodbye yeah well what if we had the 3d layout before fire crews arrived or knew their location in 3d yeah there's so much to be done yeah what do you think about um the comparison of i and i guess maybe it's maybe it's both right is looking at proactively documenting and having the existing, you know, BIM models or virtual tour information of commercial spaces now so that uh, when first responders do go to a building, they maybe can just reopen up an already existing model and lay out, um, you know, what do, what do you think about that verse, like the real time people actually opening and trying to document? Well, sure, sure. Any, anything advanced would help. We've, yeah. For over the 30 years, we, we had binders and then some mobile data computers with minimal 2D diagrams, especially mm-hmm. of the high life hazard facilities. Where's the fire hydrant? Where's the fire sprinkler? Excuse me, connection. Where's the alarm room? Yeah. Well, yeah, we could have the BIM and, and then, and, but, 
when we look at what happened, how do how do we in in large loss fires, how do we convert that BIM into mixed physics computational fluid dynamic model? There's a number of teams that have done that, and one one colleague of mine who's done it where you can be inside the the training tower at where I was working in 3D inside a a fairly accurate scientific fire model in augmented reality from your from your phone. Yeah, and and so those models are available. That is, they they exist. They're persistent. So high rises or BIM is all mm-hmm. stored somewhere. Yeah, it might. So it exists. It's getting it to the first responders in a graphic user interface that they can ingest in real mm-hmm. time while they're busy. Yeah, they're busy. They're uh, they're they're in a rush, and uh, there's cognitive load challenges. Yeah. How do we get it? I mean, really what I want, Matthew, let's just get right to it, is, is Iron Man Firefighter. Yeah. <laughs> Enabled with a hand. And I see yep. you laugh. Uh, there's a number of teams that are, are, are working on this. Uh, I, I'm sure I can – I hope to that it's okay to mention NASA. I got to uh, help them do a test burn where they ingested thermal data to run an AI program with the mm-hmm. goal that maybe it could be predictive in real time for first responders. Now, yeah, got a terabyte of data on that, and 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 then how do we how do we interface that to mm-hmm. the, the legacy land mobile radio platforms that the teams are currently using, as yeah. we as people at home are are playing games, you know, over the holidays yeah. with solid state lidar, yeah, in, in mixed reality in their living room. So yeah. how, leverage gaming, entertainment, and construction mm-hmm. technologies that you use. Yeah. Nexus leverage those for saving lives. And would you say, you know, and I, I see this question come up with a lot of different, you know, government agencies and uh, even, you know, um, people that you would think, oh, they have the latest up to date hardware, like everything that's available. They have it before we're using it, you know, in construction and other things. Um, would you say part of the problem is the cost of upgrading and having all the first responders have technology that could take that step, um, you know, goggles and glasses and, you know, that type of thing. Is, is that part of the problem? Certainly one of the, maybe it's a 12 sided problem dice. I, we have funding uh, after the last recession, the, the first response community uh, really, I would say uh, some some of them, my speaking opportunities where, where I say I think we've lost a decade in productivity. I see chief officers nodding their head because there was such a huge impact to the general funds for public safety agencies that there was just no progress. They limped along with what mm-hmm. they could. The economy turned around great. Okay, now we can start moving again. But there was a technology moved a decade ahead for the yeah. consum- consumer and to the enterprise teams. Thanks for what you're building for the consumers. They need to monetize it. Totally understand that. First response community ha- is, um, may be considered narrow, difficult to penetrate. People policy and procedure that are, are not necessarily slow to adapt, but are limited in their yeah. adaptive abilities. Uh, and, and to take on new tech that may and may not work. Yeah. Uh, when they, when they're trying, they're working on keeping the legacy systems alive. Yeah. Well, there's lots to consider there. And mm-hmm. then privacy, ethics, uh, trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah. 
We can do a whole show just on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, and, and that's the thing with with new technology and with different industries is it sometimes it is hard to mix that gap. You know, if if the companies creating the hardware or focusing on the solutions and building out workflows are, you know, they find an industry that's easier to, to get buy-in than, you know, others might get put off a little bit. What do you think the industry and us that are focused on technologies could do in an effort to try to help that process? Is there something or or does it really have to be like between the, the hardware, software and the agencies? Well, gratefully, there's dozens of teams internationally that are that are working on on the on the solve for this. And some are doing it <clears throat> um, a pretty effectively parts of it already for for yeah. the average consumer uh and the um, i like the the 3p option the public private partnerships that allow enterprise and public safety agencies to do proof of concepts and show that there's some efficacy with it uh as as we look to what is ne- what does next gen 911 look like it's it's not sending a, a text message or a a an image to the dispatch center. It's next gen 911. It's capable of so much more. I, I, I like the analogy of, and, and, and rather than building it just for first responders, build it for everybody else and then harden it, encrypt it, secure it, uh, make it heat resistant for first responders. Mm-hmm. But the, the platform that I like uh, to use is uh, the idea of uh, most people have heard of Pokemon Go. Yeah. What, what if we had something we could call 911 Go where Everyone's phone was enabled with the exit pathways in 3D. Yeah. For active shooter, earthquake, flood, fire, yep. other natural man-made disasters, and they knew the layouts. And so, yeah, there's a number of teams that are working on how do we make that lean and effective, especially for interiors, and uh, <clears throat> and then how do we get it to first responders? So there's a mm-hmm. lot of uh, we don't know the answers to, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of great progress. Uh, happening right now just because of the uh, that we're in the first uh, technology revolution or the the fourth industrial revolution the first data revolution whatever we want to call it mm-hmm. and and let me let me ask you Matthew how long have you been in 3d reality capture industry yeah I, I don't know enough about you yeah so about 10 years or so um, that's when we first got into laser scanning Prior to that, uh, really the focus was conventional land survey, so GPS and total stations, um, you know, so still in the measurement world, um, but laser scanning for that application was our first uh, introduction to anything in the 3D technology at all. And then, of course, as soon as you get into one of them, you start seeing the need and the benefits and the application for just all different directions. First, I mean, before that, I never worked in buildings. We didn't do surveys for architectural and interior. And now that now that we got into scanning and 3D modeling and figuring out these applications, we're seeing it used in, you know, forensic sites and in defect investigations and marine and boats and underground tunnels. And every industry is finding a need and a way to apply these, whether it's for helping with safety or investigation, or engineering, or construction, really all over the place. And, and uh, excellent. Thank you for your, that background. And, and when we think of the, the last decade, right? So it, I think it's 12 years for me uh, that I was first exposed to total stations, right? Highly accurate. Laser mm-hmm. is a highly accurate 
uh, linear measurement tool. And then I got, then I'm carrying car batteries for scanners at 5,000 yeah. measurements a second and then 50,000 measurements a second. And now, holy cow, the stuff that's yeah. out <laughs> and the stuff that I, that is right on the verge of being out, mm-hmm. um, you know, like video grammetry. Everybody's yeah. going to have a 360 high def camera on the top of their car and we're going to do video grammetry. And that's my expectation. And, and then how do we, when the, first responders a fire engine arrives to wildfire that may be small or not so small how does incident command who may be 10 miles away on a large wildfire understand that while the firefighters are trying to get the job done command's yeah. asking for a condition report they yeah. got to push the button on the radio and, and paint a picture with words when it could be being streamed live in 360 yeah. video today at a minimum and then well, it could be streaming and videogrammetry, right? That's really, yeah. it, it's not being done, but I think, can, I, or maybe there's some engineers doing it already, but conceptually it could be done today and you have 5G yeah. around the corner. Yeah. So from total stations to this conversation in a decade, wow. Yeah, yeah, I know it's crazy. Um, and, and things even continue to change rapidly every year, every two years, every three years the the hardware and software both improving um and i think one thing that's interesting and you talk about uh how it can help uh safer actions as well right i think the idea of having some autonomy um whether it's through like the spot robotic dog or whether it's through drones in scenarios where we do have to do investigating or areas uh, sending into hazardous areas or maybe even doing some visual around a fire prior to people going into it. I think finding ways to even continue that expansion um, would be helpful. Oh, Agreed. And with, with machine vision and uh, ML and AI, the, the uh, yeah, I, I think the autonomous vehicles, whether terrestrial or airborne based, is a uh, is a great um, a great set of teams that we ought to be paying closer attention to. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're, so they're pushing the ball. <laughs> I know. I know we're we're limited on time, but so I I want to kind of have an opportunity. I think we started well in just understanding uh, even where you're coming from with your view on the technology and where you're going. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, what what is your current focus? So obviously you've had a long history in fire and you got introduced to the technology, you said maybe 12 years ago or so, um, and you've retired and you're in your uh, consulting now. What's your actual current focus? (laughs) (laughs) Which might be diverse or share what you can. Oh, yeah. Happy to share what I can. There's there is some uh, NDAs that I'll, I'll be respecting. The and and to be fair, I was expecting to go another four years of of active duty, and in in March it was I it, it just I I think I could do more for my the my brother and sister firefighters that I spent 25 years with, and the hundreds that I know around the world, I can do more for them from the outside. And defining yep. that path has has been uh, is yet defined. But there's several teams I'm working with. From indoor mapping to tracking personnel in an LTE denied environment. How do we keep track of our personnel for a May Day when there's no cell signal? Yeah. Uh, and uh, and some teams working on that the end game. So I'm I'm and 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 from also uh, immersive learning environments 
virtual mixed reality mm-hmm. applications. A number of teams doing great work on that. How do we train? Uh, how do we educate the public in new realities, in digital realities, uh, about fire and life safety? Uh, especially during COVID, they don't, you know, we used to get kindergartners in the firehouse and we teach them stop, drop and roll lighters and matches or for grownups, get out of the house and stay out. And then we might not see them until they crash their car as a teenager or have an accidental kitchen fire in their thirties and chest pain in yeah. their fifties. And we, we need to update the way we message. And, and yeah. so doing that public education in VR is one of the things that's really interesting. Training firefighters and immersive learning on the way to yeah, I'm working with uh, a couple uh, uh, big teams, teams of teams. So my interest is to work with teams of teams around the world. I'd say over the last three years, I've been in dialogue with well over 100 teams uh, to facilitate uh, you know, uh, strategic alignment to the, the various teams. Yeah. Whether they're the, the Fortune 100 teams, the mm-hmm. big enterprise teams, They've got a great head start on a lot of good things. They're doing it for consumers now, uh, but they don't have a public safety background. Yeah. And how do I bridge that to the fire chiefs association that have you know, over 10,000 fire chiefs representing several million firefighters representing four and a half billion connected people? Yeah. How, how do we, but bringing them together, I think that, that's my, I think my biggest focus is how, how do I connect the dots of the various team members, large and small that I'm working with from startups to, uh, mm-hmm. to the big teams to help those people we'll never meet. I, yeah. I, Matthew, I think that what I guess I'd like to be the equivalent of the, the smart firefighting, uh, digital equivalent to the smoke detector, which may have saved more lives than all firefighters in history. The smoke mm-hmm. detector has been very effective mm-hmm. and thank you to whoever put that together yeah <laughs> uh, and and has it in in most homes please check your smoke detector batteries today new ones are last the new smoke detectors have a 10 year battery but regardless make sure they're there make sure they're working yeah uh, because we lose we lose eight people a day on average in america to fire yeah and so do you um, do you think there's an opportunity and, and are you looking at things like even that, right? You bring up the smoke detector. It's a device that's installed in every building that is supposed to go off in a warning. Do you see um, a focus on like obviously we've talked about wearables and vision for going into a fire, but do you then see an opportunity of, hey, here's an actual way to bring these reality capture technologies into a device or something that is going to be everywhere that helps the you know, the next gen, or is it, is it starting with the mapping? Uh, it's, it's, it's all together, Matthew. I yeah. think that, and we, so first off, the, the smart uh, smoke and heat detectors, right, are IOT sensors that could be streamed in real time and a holographic light display of the 3D of a, of a building like Princess Leia from, you know, I mean, most people are from mm-hmm. Star Wars, uh, not, not plugging, but, you know, I did appreciate it. I was there for the first uh, Star Wars. Yeah, um, there you go. The, the holographic light display inside the first responders vehicle that shows the, the 3D plan of the building and what detector is activated. And then if, if in their four minute mm. response to that building, especially say a high rise, they got a thousand citizens above the fire floor. If that holographic light display becomes five or 10 active sensors. Yeah. Uh Oh, we've got yeah. a big situation. Strike a second or third alarm, a general alarm. Yeah. And then how do we get AI in there to do, like I said, C- CFDs, uh, 
and they're they're limiting their abilities to be accurate to how a fire is going to spread. Yet it's something. Mm-hmm. And how do we get the, those mm-hmm. those IoT sensors in real time into what's all everything's designed in 3D? Yeah, you don't yeah. even need to. Right? Some teams are taking old 2D. Uh, paper drawings and converting them to 3D yeah. models. So, yep. uh, yeah, uh, I think limited that, by our imagination only, I think. Yeah, it is. And I think that, I think there's a lot of things that are happening even just now with the focus on digital twins and with making, you know, replicas of buildings, even where right now, a lot of the scanning is happening when there's a renovation project, when there's a construction job. Um, but now starting to put a bigger focus on, well, let's do it for every building so the firms know the assets that they have in there and where they are. So that data is now becoming more available in buildings. And then I think, like you said, how do we get that into a usable, shareable, secure, light enough weight that it can be used for all the different applications as opposed to just one? Yeah, ingestible and some sort of GUI. And and uh, the other enterprise group we should be talking about is the, the insurance companies for helping lower yeah. their exposure. And how do we, yep. uh, you know, um, partner with them to have to make for safer, more secure uh, communities? And and you mentioned the uh, the digital twin. Yeah, it's the platform of uh, it's, it's the foundation for smart cities. Yeah, the whole world persists in, in 3D. We just want to make it more accurate, more uh, have mm-hmm. better efficacy, and uh, and make it ingestible for citizens yeah. and those who are serving them. Yeah. Um, one question, I guess, and this even steps back a little bit instead of going futuristic, but um, even when we talk about some of the basics, the you know the application of laser scanning and fire investigation, you're closer to that than I am. Do you think that that even just that simple process is already widely adopted, or do you think that there's still need to educate and push even on some of those basic principles? I'd go with the latter uh, most assuredly. Yeah, uh, that was my assumption. <laughs> the, the National <laughs> Fire Protection Association is a, a standards uh, organization with, I think, upwards of 50,000 members, and I had the privilege of, of writing and suggesting that, that it, that it should be mm-hmm. effectively a expectation that things yeah. are laser scanned on uh, line of duty deaths, on multi-casualty citizen fires, yep. large loss fires. It should just be expected. Um, I, uh, the, I did get a little bit in there. It, it got trimmed down to be a couple sentences about that the fire investigator may choose to under certain circumstances. Yeah. So, but I, I guess here's the, and and I I started uh, training to be an investigator and realized oh this is a whole career this is a thirty year uh, up to, right I could easily spend thirty years just learning about investigation about how to document how and explain why the fire progressed uh, and and then I thought but I I got in the business to try and help people so I want to work more on the now instead mm-hmm. of uh, reconstructing yeah things. so. The, uh, but the, the the thing that I think will paint the picture is I go out for training and take 500 images of a yeah. building that were not then built into it and not put into a photogrammetry model. Yeah. There's 500 images of what if it's a 6,000 square foot home? Yeah. A major, well, where major was this fire? picture taken? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Bingo. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and so trying to manage it uh, in the legacy manner. Oh, mm-hmm. oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah. the ability to have the 3D data of the entire structure. And then I think even and, – and there's some platforms that are already doing this, but I can see the value of, of just even expanding that capability of – you know, quickly documenting the overall layout, then still being able to do your kind of high-res images of certain objects that are then still geospatially tagged um, and making sure all that information is in there. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, put put the, the basic 2D images, put them into the, the photogrammetry model. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and then when we get down to the area of origin, okay, let, let's let's capture that really accurately and then maybe – when we okay, well, we think it's an accidental uh, fire. Here's the here's a device that's a suspect. Uh, let's put it on a turntable and make a photogrammetry model of this. Mm-hmm. Especially because most of it, uh, or you know, a lot of it, is in some way or another perishable because it's been partially burned. It's fragile. Yeah. How do you know? So document it uh, while it's still intact. Yeah. Yeah. What are what are some of the other you know apart from documenting fires, are there are there some other things that you see current technologies that are currently available to help um, in you know in your pursuits that aren't you know trying to figure out next steps or technology that's on the verge of but what are some realistic current applications? Uh, well, there's a number of current phone applications where one can just do the, at least a 2D diagram of the building, real basic, mm-hmm. using the uh, inertial sensors on the phone and the visible light camera, just 2D diagram of the building. Uh, and then we get into, there's right there's uh, structured light sensing on many uh, new phones. You mm-hmm. could use that. could bring in, uh, you know, kits to do photogrammetry. Uh, and on the way up to, yeah. to to laser scan stuff, and so yeah, there's there's a lot that's available right now, uh, yeah. and a number number of teams working with it, but I would not say it's pervasive in the industry not yet. Yeah, As yeah. there there are some strong leaders moving moving the ball, and the and the question does keep coming up for me. Yeah, and uh, here would be another question. Obviously, there's a lot of different service providers. You know, we do it as well. We do scanning. We haven't pushed heavy into forensic side and and working with public agencies. We've done a little bit of support, um, but we have heard a lot from others around the country and different areas that it's sometimes really hard to get into, um, you know, specifically people that have talked with like highway patrols or police departments that are trying to offer to, you know, document car accidents or things. Um, usually they, they say that if they're going to get into it, they would probably only do it internally versus using a contractor. And then we've heard others that, you know, their, their full-time role is, is supporting the scanning of, of scenes for police departments. Um, is, is it the same process, um, you know, is a fire department potentially interested in actually having a service provider come in and help with that process? Or is it really they investigate the technologies and have to do it internally? Um, what would you suggest there? Because I know people, a lot of service providers out there, they want to figure out how can we actually help, um, you know, within our communities. And we see that as a potential if they're not already using it. Um, but sometimes people don't know how about, you know, how they go about actually being involved. Yeah, good good question. And 
and I think it's uh, it's going to be jurisdiction uh, dependent. The the local highway patrol here uh, has a major accident investigation team, and and they have uh, their own scan mm-hmm. uh, equipment. Um, but it, it say, is there an incident that deserves being documented? And it's not it's not big enough to bring out the big team, or the big team's already on a bigger call someplace else. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a limited number of resources, uh, and I think there's upwards of 35 or more than 40,000 fire departments in the country. So that's 40,000 answers that mm-hmm. you could choose from. All are individual. Yeah, there's 429 dispatch centers in the state of California. There, so, and there's right. We lose 7,000 people a day in America with before COVID. And based on CDC death rates, eight per thousand in, in America on average, which is pretty much a fairly um, average international ranging from, I think, four to 14 per thousand. The um, I go I said, go to your local jurisdiction and introduce yourself and, and say, this is yeah. what we do. And uh, would you be interested in a proof of concept on the drill grounds? You know, right in yeah. a training scenario, just show a uh, show and tell. Yeah, a, that can be highly effective. I would still say a good portion of emergency medicine, law enforcement and uh, fire personnel, the first response community. And we could we could let's just go ahead and talk about peacekeepers and warfighters while we're at it. A good portion of them, like the average citizen around the world, does not understand the difference between phase space and um, a time of flight laser. Yeah. Scanning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or RBG structured light sensing or stereoscopic infrared. It's new. It's not new to you and I. Yeah. I still feel like we're pioneers here. Oh, I do. Right. We're all pioneers. Yeah. But for the average citizen, and they may even have solid state LIDAR on their their new device (laughs) and, and are using it and doing stuff with it. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, we sometimes forget being that we've been in it for a long time. Um, but I, I still try to tell people as much as we think scanning is all over the place, you know, if you randomly call up a company, even if they're in an industry that definitely needs it or it's being used or adopted, eight out of 10 people have no idea what a laser scanner is or does, you know, so there's so much room for education. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to get the, the statistics on that. Where, yeah. where, where are we on it? Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I like the, the the show and tell method. Yeah, if there if there's a group yeah. you want to get out to, you know, go and see them. And yeah. and if there's something specific, your listeners are welcome to reach out to me. I'll do what I can to answer. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, I know you've got just a couple minutes left. You do have another uh, meeting to get to. Is there any kind of last words that you'd like to focus on here for the last few minutes? Um, either something you're pursuing or something you'd like to share. I guess uh, most of all, thank you, Matthew. Thanks for having me on your show, and 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 specifically to your last set of questions around how does someone engage engage with their local public safety community? Um, because you're you're the you're a leader. You're 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 showing and telling and and saying, hey, look, uh, you know, what do you what do you think? We're, yeah. we're posing the question, and so thank you for doing that with uh, you know so many. Uh, uh, colleagues you've had on your show already and those that you that maybe I'll recommend to you for for future shows on what's what's coming uh yeah. in, in this 3D digital world we live in. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate it. You know, we we started this because we just see this again, like like we've talked about through all industries, just the need for education. You know, my goal is to get, you know, somebody from every industry, every application imaginable on here to share about it and talk about it because we have professionals come on like you, you know, okay, well, if, if on the marketing side, we can push this in front of more fire departments, well, now they can listen to the applications and the needs and the technology available versus having to visit every single one of them. You know, we, we just want to spread that education and so that more people can benefit from the knowledge of others and, and knowing that the technology is there and how it can be used. And hopefully also, you know, when we get into some more of the technical discussions, avoid mistakes. You know, you don't want to purchase the, the wrong piece of gear for your need or, you know, kind of make sure there's realistic expectations as well. Uh, yeah, good, good, for, good on you. Uh, you know, appreciate that. Yeah, because uh, certainly there's been some mistakes along the way that uh, yeah, others should uh, monopolize on those who've gone gone before. Yeah. Well, again, we appreciate you for your time um, and again for your service. I think your mission of uh, not just how can we use these technologies, but to actually use them to help save a life and for our communities. Um, I don't think there's a much better mission than that. So thank you. And we look forward to seeing if there's ways we can continue to support that. Um, and we'll follow up with you again. We'll continue the dialogue and I'm looking forward. Thank you, Matthew. All right. Thank you. Reality Capture Network, bringing the future to you.